How many of you can say you love the Lord? Can you say amen? I love the Lord. Amen? You demonstrate your love for Jesus by serving. You demonstrate your love for the Lord and his church, which is the bride of Christ, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You demonstrate that by serving. In Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul touches on this in verse 10 when he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, that says to me, God has a plan. He's had that plan in place since before the foundation of the world. He has a work that has to be done. He, when he saves someone, he calls them to a life of service. He calls them to the life of works, if you would. And he has that for all of us to walk in them. Notice the word created in that passage. For we are his workmanship created in Christ. You were made to make a contribution, not just to consume. We're all made to contribute to the works of the church, to the ministries of the church. The Bible says that we are created, saved, and gifted, and shaped to serve. All of that work that God's done in your heart and in your life and in my life and heart is for us to serve, serving day in and day out. That doesn't necessarily mean different positions in the church. It doesn't mean having a place of, of responsibility or authority or leadership in the church. But it does mean in our lives, wherever we go, whatever we're doing, we should have the focus of serving those that need to be served. In Job, Job says this in chapter 10 and verse 8, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Fashioned me. You see, God made you unique. And in your uniqueness, it is not for your benefit, but it's for his benefit and for the benefit of the church. Look at this next verse in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each one of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he says, that that's what ought to be true of us, that we, he gave us gifts, talents, and abilities for the benefit of others that are around us and for the church as the body of Christ. We serve God by serving others. That's true of a pastor. That's true of any church staff member. But it's true of any saved person. You serve God by serving others. Some people want to serve God, but they don't want to serve other people. They want to be served. They, they want to be the recipients of 
good works. But you can't do that. According to the scripture, you serve God by serving others, by doing it under the least of these, as Jesus said, by reaching out and, and being a help to other people's people. The Bible has a word for this. It's called ministry. Thereby, we call our ways of worship, work, working together and worshiping together ministry teams. And several years ago, maybe 18 years ago, we started the ministry team understanding as to the work of the church, knowing that everybody's not gifted the same, everybody doesn't have the same amount of time, Everybody doesn't have the same about a, about a amount of influence. Not everybody has the same gifts, all of those kind of things. But there is a place for everyone to be on a ministry team serving the people of God, serving the community, in doing so, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls us to serve. In the Bible, ministry and serve are the, come the, from the very same word. The same main word is, is, this, is for both of them, ministry and serve. If you are saved, and I assume you are, you gave testimony that you love the Lord. If you are saved, then you are called to ministry. I want to look at this example in, in Matthew in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, Yet it shall not be so among you, Jesus says, for whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, our example, Jesus, who died for us on the cross. Jesus, who rose from the dead. Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, who sent the Holy Spirit that convicts us and draws us into relationship with him and births us into the kingdom of God. Jesus served and called us to serve. Your fashion determines your ministry. Your fashion is a conglomeration of your spiritual gifts, your likes and dislikes, your heart, your personality, your abilities, your experiences. They form your fashion of who you are. And these things determine the ministry God has equipped you for. Some folks are equipped for ministry through terrible experiences in their lives. The best person to minister to someone who is addicted to alcohol or drugs is someone who has walked through the deep valleys of that and had experienced, have experienced the getting over that, being strengthened in that walk, to walk as God would have them to. And they are the best ones to minister to someone walking through a similar time. There, there's a lot of work that, that different organizations are doing to save babies, to keep them from being aborted. And some of the best workers they have are those who have made the mistake of aborting a child and it has, God has worked in their lives and they've experienced forgiveness of God and the power of Christ work in their lives and they become very, very good at reaching out to others 
and talking to them and ministering to them and counseling them as to what God would have them to do. A lot of folks try to build self-esteem, self-worth, and significance. They want to feel good about themselves. You don't get it from success. Someone can always do a better job at something than you can do. You will have to understand that. Someone can do a better job of preaching than I can do. Someone can do a better job of teaching than you can do. Someone can do a better job of, of, of working with their hands than you can do. It's not about success. The Bible teaches that you get your self-worth from serving others, giving your life to ministry. To serve, first of all, one must be available. In Matthew chapter 20, it says, And now, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still. He stopped. And he called to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? Notice Jesus stopped. If you want to be used by God for ministry, you must be willing to be interrupted. That is a life of a, of a minister, to be interrupted. You know, your ministerial staff, we plan. We plan our days. We, we plan our schedule. We plan our meeting times. We, we plan things. But every moment of every day, we must be willing to be interrupted as a need arises. You never know when the phone call comes and says, for instance, there's a lady over here that can't get up the hill from her down at the street to get back up to her house. Can you come by and help her do it? Someone calls and said, did you know so-and-so has just been rushed to the hospital and the wife has gone with him to be there? So somebody else calls and there is another need. It is a constant, and constant probably is too strong of a word, but there are always interruptions. Interruptions mean an opportunity to minister. Interruptions to our plans is God's way of saying, hey, notice this. Hello, let me get your attention. God's way of speaking to our hearts and leading us into a life of ministry by the interruption that, interruptions that come in our lives, and he wants us to use those times to reach out and minister to others. Most of Jesus' miracles were performed or took place during interruptions. Interruption from one place to go to another place. If you really want to learn how to, to serve, study not the steps of Jesus, but the stops of Jesus. Study how he stopped what he was doing as the occasion called for it. Study how he stopped at this place and went to another place 
because he was summoned there, the need was great. And if you study the stops of Jesus and how he responded to those stops, to those interruptions in his life, it will help us understand that ministry is not something that you just plan out fully all the time and it all goes like it ought to, like clockwork. Ministry is a life of being interrupted by the needs in others' lives and doing what God would have us to do to reach out to them and minister and to meet the need. If you're too busy to be available for ministry, guess what? You're too busy. You need to quit some of the busyness and say, God, I, I, wanna, I want you to have control of my schedule. I want you to have control of my life. I want to be used of you. I want to be available for ministry and I'm willing to be interrupted from my plans to respond to your plan. To serve, one must be available to serve. Secondly, to serve, one must develop a grateful heart. A grateful heart. That's not easy for us as Americans. We have this idea that we're owed a better life. We're owed comfortable, being comfortable. We're owed being pain-free. We're, we're owed that we should not be interrupted with our plans for life. But you see, we need to understand the Bible tells us of a time in Jesus' ministry when his friend Lazarus had died. He didn't go there for a funeral, but he went there for a miracle. He could have just prayed where he was and raised Lazarus from the dead without ever going and done nothing more, but listen to his words about the occasion. John chapter 11. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent. Jesus demonstrated a thankful heart. Father, thank you that you have heard me. Father, thank you that you are willing to respond in the things that I call on you about. And he had a grateful heart, a grateful attitude. He wanted others to see and know that mighty works are accomplished only in the lives of those who are grateful, who are thankful for what God's given them, for, who are thankful for their salvation, who are thankful for the freedoms they have in Christ, who are thankful for their blessings. Jesus was grateful. Paul was grateful. He was grateful for being trusted with the work in the ministry God had called him to. And he never considered himself worthy 
Matter of fact, he said, of all the sinners, I'm the greatest. He never considered himself worthy. He never considered himself entitled in any way. Though he's God incarnate, though he's the son of God in flesh on this earth, he never considered himself to demand what was his, but gave his life away for the cause of others and to help them. Not only must someone who's going to be served, be a servant, be available, and be of a grateful heart, but in order to serve, one must be faithful. That means don't give up. I had an old pastor friend that served several churches in the Dothan area when I pastored there. And bless his heart, he had pastored the church where I was pastoring at the time, uh, twice removed, I think, from my being there. But he was a good old man, Thaxton Whitney. And I, I, I knew Thaxton well. We visited a lot. When he retired from, from serving that church, he grew daylilies. And everybody would go by Thaxton's house to see his huge garden of daylilies. And he'd always give folks plants. And, but Thaxton was always available, always there, always caring. And he preached the message. Every time I heard him preach, he preached the same message. Why I won't quit. Now, there were times when I felt like saying, Thaxton, just quit. But he preached the message, why I won't quit. And he based that on the faithfulness of God in his life. He based that on the heart of gratitude for what he had received of the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation and forgiveness. He based that on the call of God in his life, that he was to be a servant, a preacher of the gospel, a minister to the people. He based that on who he was in Christ Jesus. And he says, because of those things, he saved me, he called me, he sustains me, he's used me, he leads me, and because of that, I can't quit. Some of us need to develop that kind of an attitude. I can't quit. I must remain faithful. You see, to be faithful means you don't give up. You don't quit in the middle of your life or at the end of your life because it is someone else's turn. How many times have I heard that in the ministry? It's somebody else's turn. Somebody else ought to do it. I've done my time. I'll not, say, I'll not give any particulars, but often that phrase is used. But when is your time up? Your time is up when you, call, you draw your last breath of air. Your time is up here when God calls you home. And then your eternity just begins. A whole eternity of serving the Lord and praising Him and having every need met fully in Christ Jesus. You don't quit in the middle of your life. Listen to Jesus near the end of his earthly ministry. In John 17, he says, 
I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I have finished the work. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus didn't back down. He didn't grow weary and tired and say, I've I've done all this I'm going to do. He didn't say, Father, these folks really don't want a Savior. Why do I have to take their sins when they don't even seem to appreciate who I am? None of that. He came and turned his face toward Jerusalem, headed to the cross, and was going there in obedience to God the Father's will and for the plan that he was to fulfill. And he did not quit until he had done done everything I have been asked to do, he said to the Father. He says, I have finished the work. Don't you want that to be said about you at the end? You completed the work God gave you to do. Jesus didn't give up or give in, and neither should we. We must serve as long as we have the life and the strength to do it. Oh, I know, I know, a lot of you cannot do the things you did yesteryear. God knows that. But where you are and what you have, would you give it to the end? Would you keep giving it to the Lord and saying, here I am, use me. You don't confuse prominent with significant. They are not the same. A lot of folks have a place of prominence. But let me tell you what, there are a lot more folks who have a place of significance in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know who unlocked the doors for you to get in this morning? Do you know who's working the sound or the camera? Who's working the screens? Do you know who made sure the heater was on? Some of you do in some of the rooms. But do you know who did those kind of things? You know, do you know the man's name who greeted you on the parking lot and told you He's glad you're here today. You say, well, that's insignificant. Every ministry done in the name of Jesus has significance. And it's important. They may not be prominent positions, but they're significant. All significant, though not prominent. Listen to what the word says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you've shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do still minister, according to Hebrews 6. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. As Jesus said in Matthew 25 and 21, called the ministry. Would you just look at the person on either side of you? Just turn and look at them. Don't speak, just look at them. Don't be snooty either, but. Now, turn back to the person on either side of you and say to them, I'm called to minister. I'm called to minister. I dare not take the other step. Sometimes you just may need to say to someone else, how can I minister to you? How can I minister to you? something I desire to say to every person. I have a lot of phone calls, a lot of conversations. Occasionally someone will come in and sit down and talk for a while. A lot of times folks will contact me with what difficulty they're walking through. the pain of their heart, the remorse over their failures, the difficulties of life in general, a broken heart over a wayward child. always try to remember to say to them in the middle or near the end of that conversation how can I minister to you? You know I've had greater response from that phrase than from all of the advice I could ever give. 
People don't necessarily want to be told what to do. They don't want necessarily to be told of their mistakes and their failures and what they're doing wrong. But you're talking about an open door of opportunity that is presented when you ask them the question, how can I minister? You see, that's what ministry teams are all about. Meeting needs. Oh, some of them are laborious. I know that. You're on the property and grounds ministry team. You know that can be a labor. Not going to kid you about it. But you know, if you're on the Sunday school, ministry team. If you're put in a position in the Sunday school as a teacher or the secretary of the class or the outreach leader, if we could just learn to ask that question, how can I minister to you? You just tell me. Live, walk, breathe, desire that you would be used of God in others' lives. And that you would see the opportunity when it arises and that you would respond to the opportunity when it arises to minister in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, that one question will open up more doors of opportunity than you can imagine. How can I minister? One last thing and I'm through. That question should probably first be Presented to Jesus. Lord, how can I minister? Lord, how can I minister to you in the lives of your people? Lord, how can I minister to you in the lives of those who are less fortunate than I am? How can I minister to you? through ministering in the lives of others. You see, it's not about position. It's about service. It's not about doing so much as it is about loving and caring and willingness. To follow in the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, Care for others. How can I minister to you? Lord Jesus, thank you that you've called us. Help us never to take that lightly. 
Oh, it's so easy to take church membership lightly. It's so easy to take uh, belonging to the kingdom lightly. But Lord, instill upon us the seriousness of the moment, the critical days of our lives, and how we're called not to be ministered unto, but to minister unto others. Help us to walk in that kind of an attitude, with that kind of a heart, of love and care, and doing the work of the ministry of this local church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.